I'm Alexander Koloff from the Koloff Dynasty, and you are watching Drinking at Moe's. All right, everybody, welcome to Drinking at Moe's. Host Big Mo here. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment on YouTube. Helps with the pain in the butt algorithm. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor. I said Anchor, but anyways leave a review today i have with me alexander koloff how are you doing doing great man how are you doing today? can't complain you know this is actually as we're recording this right before the holidays and you know it's actually my last one until next year classic little oh you're not doing that whole dad joke but uh I've, I actually got a pretty big month next month lined up and, you know, I've had some pretty good opportunities, so I'm doing pretty good. Good. Good deal. But uh, first thing I'd like to start off with each of my guests with is what got you started as a fan and then what got you started, you know, making the decision to make the jump into the business. Okay. Um, so as a fan, I used to watch Georgia Championship Wrestling and the NWA on TBS with my grandfather, um, you know, 605 on Saturday nights. And um, and there was a show that was hosted by a, a couple of Joe Petticino and Bonnie Blackstone that it ran um, through the rest of the night and everything till around three, four in the morning. So that was my from the time I was like seven or eight years old. That was pretty well my every Saturday night was. 605 with my grandfather we'd watch the nwa have a little break to eat dinner and get get showered up and everything and then you'd watch um i think it started at eight o'clock and it'd run until usually i'd fall asleep in front of the tv watching wrestling <laughs> and um and then getting into wrestling i'd been in uh sambo and jiu-jitsu and box um and um was really always a professional wrestling fan, but didn't have an avenue, didn't know of an avenue of how to get into it and ran into a guy that um, I used to play ball with, uh, another guy that had gotten into wrestling named Andy Anderson. And um, I just, the pause was because I just, I found out yesterday that his father passed away. So if he were to see that, um, mm. I'd just send his condolences to him. Absolutely. Um, but um, anyway, so like I uh, ran into him and everything, and he asked me about it and uh, got into it, did a few things with him, and then sought out a trainer and got trained and just kept shooting for other opportunities from there. That's awesome. And, you know, a lot of the same memories about uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, I was more – like towards uh, the tail end of that era, but even when they switched into uh, when Turner bought it and, you know, world championship wrestling came about, mm -hmm. you know, that 605 on Saturday nights, very sought after time for me. Although there were times, you know, growing up that I didn't get to necessarily watch it because I was born and raised Catholic, and Saturday nights was the time that my parents decided to go to church. So there were some times during 
Okay, so you guys went to Saturday Night Mass. Yeah. Gotcha. So there were some weeks that I didn't really get to watch it, but I definitely made a point to, at the very least, try to catch as much of it as I could. Because, you know, good Lord, some of the talent coming out of there, people still talking about people that were on that time slot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was always... um... I think the thing that drew it to me was, um, and and I'll never use the word fake. I, I hate that word, but like, even whenever uh, people would say, you know, talk about that wrestling was predetermined or whatever, um, I would buy into that for WWF, but I never believed that about the NWA because mm-hmm. you couldn't, you know, they didn't maybe have the monster athletes, but they had the the athletes that really got out there and worked. I mean, it was presented like a sport and you yeah. couldn't tell me that Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat or Nikita Koloff and Ric Flair weren't going for the top prize in the world. And those were the two best athletes in a ring at that time. You know, that is very true that that era of the NWA into early days of WCW, they did have those people that they had that, that grittiness, that intensity that, mm. you know, it would be hard to convince somebody that those guys weren't, you know, really going out there. And, you know, I do myself prefer the term predetermined because like I haven't done that much in ring work. I mean, I, but I have taken a few bumps in the ring during a, mm-hmm some stuff for a local promotion and good lord even taking a simple bump i was after that night i was walking funny for about a week <laughs> yeah it feels like you've been in a bad car wreck <laughs> yep so yeah no like you i don't like the term fake because you know predetermined yeah but the damage you guys take in that ring even on simple falls, you know, every now and then you never know if something you do very routine, you know, could make a wrong step and then boom, you're blowing out a shoulder or something. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've racked up more, um, more injuries in a sport that people will um, talk about being quote unquote fake. Um, and I ever did and all the ones I played that were, you know, as straight up and legit as you could get to, you know? Oh, <coughs> no, I, I can only imagine. I know I've become quite good friends with a bunch of the wrestlers and the other people in the business here in Omaha. And when I was stationed in the Navy down in San Diego, I'm still good friends with some of the wrestlers down there and, yeah, I've heard of some of the stories of some of the injuries they've had. And I've witnessed some just myself with uh, they actually had to cart the guy off to an ambulance because of a wrong placement on a high crossbody, like landed mm-hmm. too high up and then just wrenched his neck wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a laundry list of things that are either torn out of place been broken um that's a mess uh thank you for your service by the way too before we get 
before oh, I pass that. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I somebody had to do the job, and I was honored to be able to do it. Well, thank you. Um, well, we talked a little bit about Georgia Championship Wrestling and down south, you know, being in that area, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, looking up on Facebook in the Georgia area, you know, that there is a pretty good legacy of, you know, wrestling down there going from Georgia championship wrestling to, you know, even just in the Southeast in general, you know, down to Florida and how mm -hmm. uh, Dusty Rhodes did all his work down there. Uh, what's, it kind of like, you know, working down there now and, you know, kind of the legacy going from those historic promotions and historic wrestlers that work down there. It's uh, Georgia, really, it, just in the past, I'd say um, for sure the past 10 years, um, definitely the last five to six has really evolved a lot to where there's um, it's a great mix of crowds and styles and everything. You still have kind of what, um, you know, people term more as the Southern wrestling kind of show where, you know, there, there's some entertainment, but they still want to see the athleticism and everything yeah. all the way to that. There's more of a um, kind of, you know, they want to see that, that, that storytelling and everything within mm -hmm. the, the confines of a match. But then yeah. there's also a lot of shows now also that are more what I would equate to kind of like a Northern style where the, um, the, um, the spots and everything, mm. you know, the, the higher flying and everything like that, that's more of what some of those crowds, and that's really more kind of centralized towards Atlanta. Yeah. Um, though, but then the further South you get, there's uh, more of what's what you would think of as the kind of the traditional Southern wrestling and everything. Um, Florida is a lot like that. You know, it's a good mix with that also. Um, there's a company here that's picked up the Continental brand, mm. and they do shows from Alabama over to um, over to Georgia. And they're always fun because they're, they're a crowd that um, – and as a show, they they put on a good mix. I always say it's like, you know, going to the circus. They've got the Lions, Tigers, and the Bears. Um, they do a good job of putting on the heavyweight guys where you're not going to see a lot of up-down kind of movement and everything. Um, but you'll just see some good hard-hitting kind of things. Yeah. And um, you'll see some good athletic matches. They've got some – They've uh, Continental's used some really good female talent. Um to good tag team, just a just anyway, just a good all round blend. Oh yeah, no, there's those are kind of the promotions that I kind of gravitate to. You know, they have a little bit of a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. You you get the solid female talent out there, which I mean, there is a good deal of it out there. I mean, just look at you know, right now off the top of my head because I was just re-seeing the post about it. Stupid cat. But <laughs> anyways, Billy Starks and how she, at mm -hmm. such a young age, just turning 18, you know, going and doing a tour over in Japan, and now she's 
you know, making her AEW Dark debut and somebody at such a young age already having that experience and that talent, you know, and then you go and you have, you have the heavyweights, you have the hoss fights, you know, like I said, to kind of round it off a little bit, everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody has something to like. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, like myself, I'm, like the matches we had talked about, I'm like I'm more drawn into guys that can get out and tell a good story within the match and and make things make sense. Where, mm. I mean, I'll kind of tune out myself if I'm watching something. I'll tune out if it looks like it's just a bunch of, um, irregardless of how athletic it is, if it's just a lot of spots strung yeah. together, but they're not telling a story or they're not, you know, yeah. not really registering and selling and. It, oh yeah, they lose me quick on those those types of matches. Oh, I can I can see that. You know, I know myself kind of like you when it's just you know spot after spot after spot. It's like okay, but when you know you can fit those spots in the confines of telling the story and you know making it mm-hmm. make sense. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, you get the excitement in there, but you're telling the story throughout it. Yeah, it's like a good movie. I mean, you know, you don't watch a, you don't watch an action movie, and you know, it's got a little slow start where they kind of, they introduce you to the good guy, they introduce you to the bad guy, a little bit of back and forth happens, and then yeah. you get into a big explosion or a big event, and it simmers down, and you know what I mean, until you go yeah. to the climax at the finish. I mean, if they just, if you sat in your seat in a movie theater and they started blowing up cars for an hour and a half and then you were done, I mean, you're exhausted. You can't even keep up with what's going on. It's too much of a mind overload. And and that's where I feel sometimes like I've, I've turned into the grumpy old guy because like I'll watch this and I'm like, man, some of these guys are more athletic, you know, on that day than I've ever been on the best, best day of my life. If they just slow down and let some things breathe give the audience a chance to appreciate what they did work into that next thing. And especially, I mean, whenever they go out there and I mean, they could do a, they could do a three to four month program in the, in the amount of time, if they save some of those things rather than doing it all in one night, one 20 minute match, they could have had, you know, four or five, if they just slowed down and told the story. Oh yeah. And you know, you talk, we talked about those guys that, you know, always doing spot after spot. And, you know, when you're constantly doing that show after show after show repeatedly, those guys almost, they have the, you know, they call the, the high risk moves, you know, and have a shorter career because, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that that's why they call them high risk moves you know, something goes wrong that one time and then they tear an ACL, they blow out shoulder, they, mm-hmm. you know, break something in their neck, you know, who knows? Well, that's what, um, whenever we had the wrestling school here in Jenkinsburg, Georgia, that was one of the first talks we had with everyone was uh, talking about your bump card. And that's basically, you know, if the day you were born – God put all the money you're ever going to have into a bank account. You can do some things to save your money, and but you can't make deposits. 
Mm. And every time you take a bump, the bigger the bump, the bigger the withdrawal. And sooner or later, you know, you're out of money. And try to make, you know, make guys understand that. Like, it's awesome that they can do that. But, you know, maybe every night's not the night to pull that out. You know, judge judge where you are, judge your crowd. Yeah. You know, and is it really going to further you to pull that big high-risk spot out at that moment? Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Another thing I was wanting to talk to you about is we talked about the legacy of the Southeast and, you know, going Georgia Championship Wrestling, Dusty's work in Florida. Um, the name, Co-op, has a big legacy with it. What's it yeah. like kind of <clears throat> being, you know, from that perspective, the Co-op name and, you know, you got Nikita and Ivan, you know, the Co-ops from Georgia Championship Wrestling and work they did other places. Um, it's huge. I mean, it's something I take very seriously. It's the reason that, um, you know, I'm constantly training, trying to stay in shape to look the part, um, just because it is, I mean, it's an honor. First, it was a big honor just whenever the opportunity was ever approached to, to be allowed to carry that legacy and to carry that name. Um, cause you know, there was a Dan Koloff prior to there being Olin, uh, Ivan Koloff, then Nikita Koloff. Um, so, I mean, it dates all the way back to the early 1900s. And each one of those men carried carried a lot of weight on their shoulders. And for now, for us to get to do that, um, you know, to be mindful. And it's a lot more than just in the ring, you know, to be mindful on social media whenever you're out in public in front of a crowd during the matches to put out a uh, you know, really to always have the best performance I can possibly have to carry that for them. Um, and I mean, the fact that, you know, Nikita, you know, became for real, like a real life, he is a real life mentor, like an uncle to me now. Um, that's a, it's a friendship that I value, put a, a lot of value on, you know, I, I'll forever be thankful for it. Um, prior to being given the name to get to speak with Ivan's widow, whenever Miss Renee uh, talked to me and, you know, questioned me and everything on it and to make sure that, you know, it was a person that would, took that seriously and would honor her husband's name. Um, it's huge. And, and being a, a fan of theirs as, you know, growing up and everything that was, that made it pretty cool too. And to look over in the corner and there's been moments and matches where, uh, Nikita's ringside mm. and to get to roll out during a match and you know let things slow down a touch and it sometimes it hits me during the match and everything but he's there's moments where he's real life coaching too you know he's mm. you know do this do this this would be better that was good but do this instead mm. and I mean it's it, the eight year old in me's mind's blown whenever those kind of moments happen, you know, to roll yeah. out and you've got Nikita Koloff there ringside coaching. Oh man. I can only imagine, you know, being able to sit under the learning tree of a guy that has had the history that he had and, you know, carrying on that name. It's gotta be an amazing experience. It is. It is. It's, it's been, it's been a blessing. It's been huge. Oh, I can imagine. You know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, 
some of the wrestling, you know, kind of for the lack of a better term, spots this. Do you pay attention to a lot of the current product? You know, the WWE, there's AEW, but countless promotions on things like Fight or IWTV. How are you able with like keeping up with a lot of the new current product? Um, not as much as I used to. I'll still um, paid more attention to WWE since, you know, they've had their changes that have gone on and, and then having some friends that are up there now, um, particularly watch them just cause you know, uh, you know, you want to, you want to see your friends do well and, you know, to see how they're doing and everything and to pull for them and, um, happy and grateful for the opportunities they're getting. And then, um, AEW, there's guys there that, that I really enjoy watching. I think that the ring of honor blend is cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got some friends that, uh, you know, have recently gotten some opportunities there now that ring of honor is a part of it. Um, yeah. huge fan of FTR. I oh, think oh yeah. One of my absolute favorites just, right now. Yeah. I mean, they're such a throwback tag team. They're, they're one of the best teams that has come along in years. Oh yeah, their uh, their trilogy they've had with the Briscoes, you know, going back to those Ring of Honor shows. Like, if you talk about tag team matches of the year, those three have got to be on that. That trilogy has got to be on that list. Oh, I bet. yeah, I haven't got to watch those yet, but I I've heard and seen highlights of mm-hmm. them and everything and. And I mean, that's that's the thing that I love about those guys so much is they can get out and they can go with the guys that um, you would think of as being more spotty. But yeah. then you could pick you could pick FTR up and put them back in the like what we've been talking about with the NWA in the eighties, yeah. and they would have fit right in. Oh, and yeah. I wish that oh. like I I haven't retweeted it just because I, I guess just laziness, but like years ago whenever they were first getting into nxt mm. i swear i was sitting there watching it and like i just tweeted something about how much they reminded me of arn and tully mm. and i caught a bunch of grief about that that it was way too early for that this and that and you know now you fast forward however many years and uh they're being managed by tully blanchard compared exactly to those two guys yeah or were being managed by tully i mean they're it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Even, even back to the NXT days for those guys, you know, they definitely had that old school feeling yeah. to them. Yeah. I could totally see that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know a couple people that I've actually interviewed for the podcast in the past. We talked a little bit about Billy Starks last night um, on, on Raw. The was then Jonah. But Bronson Reed being back there, making okay. his return last night, I mean, I got to talk to him for the podcast in St. Louis. And when I saw, when I finally realized it was him, I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. So he was on Raw? Yeah. Because he had what, he had got caught up in the releases and went to Impact and now he's back. Yeah, he went to Impact and then... Uh, did work in Japan with New Japan, actually had quite a deal of success there, even uh, 
having a victory o- over Okada. Oh, wow. And made his return just last night. Oh, cool. Good for him. That's good. Oh, oh yeah. I'm excited. You know, he's been a favorite of mine, clear from, <laughs> you know, having the run with the NXT North American Championship and heck, his match, uh, talking about impact, his match with, uh, oh, his matches with PCO and uh, one of my personal favorites from over in Japan right now, Tomohiro Ishii, mm-hmm. getting to see those matches. I remember telling him that the show he had on impact that the match with Ishii happened, I believe it was a pay-per-view. And I'm like, I told him I ordered that show strictly off of your match with Ishii. (laughs) That's cool. But yeah, I, I kind of gravitate. I have gravitated more towards AEW but I will admit that, you know, some of the changes since uh, Triple H has taken over a lot of the creative for WWE has made WWE kind of slip back into my routine vision of wrestling because I'll admit there were times in the last couple of years I'm like, I, I'd try watching and then I'd turn it to something else partway through just for, you know, individual taste. You know, everybody has their own taste for what they like, what they don't. But a lot of the stuff, it's become, I don't want to seem negative, but it's become a little more watchable for me. I can see that. I mean, there was times that it was never the, I mean, I think the athleticism, um, of the athletes in both both promotions right now are at a at a point that like they've never been at any other time. Um, yeah. But it was some of the the scripted promos and things like yeah. that is where I get lost because I mean all of those guys, um, if they're and just speaking for myself, I mean I think if I were in that situation, I'd want to be given an opportunity to be more like myself, turn the volume up. And if it works, that's great. And if it doesn't, you know, I mean, cut me loose, but I mean, I I wouldn't want to be in that. I wouldn't want to be in that spot where you're having to try to force something. And then the people watching the product and maybe even the people that are producing it, blame it on the athlete whenever they're having to try to kind of force feed something that they don't truly feel. Yeah. And the the characters that seem to, I mean, as far as resonating with me, when I've talked to a few people and finding out that's how they do it, are the ones that, you know, their in-ring persona is that extension of themselves. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not so much of, oh, I'm having to read off this sheet, which, I mean... You know, you get into WWE, and I've heard less of it with AEW, but, you know, having the team of writers, and that that's fine. You know, you got a job. You got you got to do what you got to do. But, you know, when those ones that have 
that little bit more of a freedom to, you know, let that true side of themselves out. You know, mm -hmm. Those are the ones that, at least as far as me and a lot of the people I know, seem to mm -hmm. resonate a lot better with us. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, I think the thing that and I've heard people say about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns that they didn't like so much, mm. that they're not on TV, that they, you know, you don't see them as much on. But I mean, to me, that's what makes them special. Like you didn't see Ric Flair wrestle on every once in a while. You would see him wrestle just on a regular thing. But I mean, for the most part, that was that was a big deal when you got to see the world champion on there. And I, mean, yeah. I really like what they're doing with bloodline and how they've kept lesnar special and yeah i mean those guys are special they're not run-of-the-mill athletes so make them special let them be special oh yeah and you know there is something to be said about having those people that you know they they aren't there wrestling every single week you know keeping that as uh oh, i think mjf used it in a promo recently you know Billing himself as kind of a, a special attraction, you know, mm -hmm. you you get those people that you know <clears throat> you don't get to see them all that often. So when you do, it's like, ooh, I got to turn into this because I think I'm going to get something special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that um, guy, he's probably got to be the the best heel and the one true heel that's oh, come along in a long time. Oh yeah. You know, that, that is one thing I'll say about um, a lot of the current product is there isn't so much of that old school heel that, like, they didn't care about getting cheered. They wanted to do whatever they could to make you absolutely hate their guts and basically pay your hard-earned money to want to see them get their butt kicked. and. MJF is every bit of that. That's the weird thing about wrestling. I guess it's because of, you know, whenever you get so many sponsors and there's a lot of money involved with that. I mean, they, a lot of them have to toe the line to a certain extent, but I mean, yeah. you wouldn't, I mean, name whatever guys played so many villains and everything in, movie, in movies and an actor. But I mean, People don't see that guy and get hot at him about something he did in a movie. So I mean, they shouldn't get yeah. mad at. No, I'm I'm with you there. So, I have two categories that I use to kind of round off the show. One's a bit of a name game. I name off some people. I try to tailor it to the each guest. The other is. I used to call it a speed round, but it never went that dang quick. So I just changed the name to a random question round. I just <laughs> throw some questions in a hat and boom, there we go. I never, the only one that I always use is the very first one, but name game. We talked a little bit about legacy of, you know, Georgia Southeast. So I figured I'm going to name off some legends of the Southeast. You give me your thoughts on it. Okay. First one, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Um, he was one of the first characters that I really loved watching as a kid and everything. Um, 
Dusty just had a charisma that was larger than life. He was, uh, you know, it was like he said, I mean, you know, he was in there with guys like Nikita and Lex and the Road Warriors and the Steiners. And he, you know, he didn't fit their, the mold of those guys and everything, but his, his charisma and the way he would move and the way he would sell and everything just, mm. it, you just love the guy. And I mean, some of the memories of him and him and Nikita and whenever the, uh, the road warriors took the spike off their shoulder pads and dug in his eye and everything. I mean, yeah, you just, you know, you just, your heart cracked for dusty every time he was out there and things like that were going on. Oh, totally. I bring it up road warriors. Those were two of my absolute favorites. Like it still mm-hmm. are, you know, God rest their souls, but they're, I just, the, the whole look they had, the spiked shoulder pads yeah, that were really cool that you know <clears throat> the music they had you know down in georgia championship wrestling to when they get to wwe and that oh what a rush mm-hmm. i gotta see them at the monday night raw taping here in omaha once and man i other than maybe stone cold the one time i gotta actually see him live i've never had anybody get me from the moment the music started to the moment they get go step back through the curtain i'm on my feet the whole damn time yeah road warriors were definitely one of those for me yeah yeah next the icon sting oh yeah he uh so I first remember watching him in UWF whenever um, he was with Eddie Gilbert and Rick Steiner. Um, I can't remember what the faction was called. Um, and then seeing him, you know, come up through the NWA and WCW and everything. I mean, my personal favorite will always be, you know, Surfer Sting with the blonde hair and the crazy colored <laughs> tights and and everything. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, he was awesome. His matches with Ric Flair. I mean, I remember him winning the world title at the Great American Bash where he had the red, white, and blue mm, face yeah. paint on and everything and being so excited as a kid for that. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, he was really cool. Next one. We kind of talked it about him and Sting, but Ric Flair. Oh, the man. <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's uh, – I've joked with Nikita that, you know, before I'm done, I'm going to come to the ring in a flare robe with our, you know, red and yellow colors or something. I got to, I got to do it once. I mean, flare was, I can remember like, even whenever, whenever I was a little kid watching it, you know, with my grandfather and my grandfather hated Rick flair. I mean, just wanted to see his head put in the third row every single time. He was out there. And I can remember being kind of torn because, you know, I think, I don't know, man, this guy's kind of cool, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, but then there'd be times where I couldn't stand him. And he just, um, some of the matches that he had and everything, and it wasn't until listening to him talk on some of his things to realize that it wasn't whenever he was the, the traveling champion, it mm-hmm. wasn't the, um, the Omni seven days a week. You know, sometimes even as the world champion, he would be, in a car lot somewhere and everything mm. and having to carry 
that uh, that top local guys promote. You know, that their top that local promotions top guy, yeah, and make him look like he was within an inch of beating the world champion, and mm. he just uh, he he was he was it for me. Oh yeah, and you're talking about the way he did that, and another thing that you know, there's been a, a couple guys like this, but I've always considered some of the absolute greatest to be those that they can play the heel and get you to hate them. But whenever they're actually a face, they can get you to love them just as much. And mm -hmm. personally, feel Ric Flair was definitely one of those. He could get you to absolutely hate him. But mm -hmm. then, you know, he gets those face runs and you can be like down that that guy's cool i like it it's and that goes back to the storytelling i mean and in saying this i am in no way shape or form comparing myself to rig flair yeah but um i worked for a show for several years in georgia that you know they were consistently drawing good crowds for an independent promotion and um they got to do an Iron Man match with Jimmy Rave on July 4th. And um, I want to say it was, it was either 2015 or 2016. And walking in as the, as the heel, I mean, there were literally people in this town in Georgia, Carrollton, Georgia, that were telling me they hoped I died. They hoped Jimmy Rave killed me. And I mean, like, minute, it wasn't a – non ha ha wink wink kind of thing i mean these people yeah. are serious oh yeah so we go 60 minutes jimmy beats me uh gets the last fall with um i think there was three seconds left mm. in the match um and so like right then and there though you know everybody the whole locker room emptied out and they were you know clapping for us and everything because the is it's really one of the coolest things I've gotten to be a part of because we held the crowd's interest from bell to bell. And um, you know, for 60 minutes in a world where that doesn't happen too often anymore yeah. is a lot. And um, so anyway, the um the guy was the booker, he comes out and um he says, well, We're gonna we're gonna flip you right here. And or he goes, We're gonna flip you face. And I said, Right now? And he said, Yeah, it's right. And uh, I said, all right. So I turn around and the guy that's managing me, I said, hey, we're going we're gonna to make a turn here. He slapped me. And I mean, he was, he was awesome too. He was a guy named Al Getz. And um, he slaps me. And as soon as he slaps me, I registered, came back, pop him. He takes the best flat back dead fish bump it ever. And uh, took the bottle of water, poured it on him and everything. And the same guy, I'll never forget this, the same guy that wished me dead on the way in was crying and hugged me on the way out and telling me how he knew I was never that bad of a person and all this kind of stuff. And it was just, it was cool, you know, just how the, like you say with Flair, how he was able to do that. But then it's because of the storytelling and the things that he put together. You know? mm -hmm. Totally. Last but not least, through name game. A guy very synonymous with Ric Flair, Arn Anderson. Oh, the the guy that did not get the world title he should have got. Oh, totally agree with you. I mean, he is. Hold it up, please. He, um, 
I mean, arm for as much credit as Flair gets for what he was in the Horseman. Arm was the workhorse. Oh yeah. I mean, and if there's a bad Arn Anderson match floating around out there, I've never seen it. I mean, from the way he talked to his intensity, the way he was in the ring and everything, just the deliverance. I mean, it was just everything about him is is awesome. I've ripped off so much of his stuff. It's not funny. You know, that that is very the just judging from you know the intensity that he showed and good lord there's a reason you know you said he definitely the workhorse of the full horse and there's a reason they called him the enforcer he mm-hmm. just had grittiness and that just he'd knock your damn teeth down your throat mm-hmm. <laughs> loved it next going into the random question round this is the one that i always like to lead off with because It leads into some crazy stories that I love hearing. Craziest in-match moment. Craziest in-match moment. Um, Usually the craziest things I think of are are involving fans. Um, I had an older gentleman one night decide that – he uh i made him mad because he he was getting riled up and there was a back sort of this too and i clutched my chest like i was gonna have a i told him i'd give him a one hitter quitter and clutched my chest and everything and the guy got really hot and he took a swing at me with his oxygen bottle Mm. and uh so like then i got him riled up further and i was like you need that to live you hate me so much that you'll take a swing at your the only thing keeping you alive to try to get one poke at me it turned out the guy got so mad because almost a year to the day in nearly the same seat, he had had a heart attack at that show and I wasn't aware of it. Oh, I mean, he had a legitimate reason to be mad. And, um, then there was another, uh, older man at a show that he always carried one of those canes that had like the brass duck head on the end of it. And I had told him in the ring, he, he popped up and, you know, he, called me a colorful name for chicken manure. And um I I told him <laughs> I told him he might have he might have whipped my butt one day, but it wasn't two day. And this wasn't WW2. I'll come out there and snap him in half. And um said it, got him riled up and went on about, you know, what all we were doing and everything. And his daughter really and truly saved me because I heard daddy know and I had enough time when I lost track of where I was at and was mouthing off at somebody else. And that taught me a lesson that day to keep my aware of where my back was to a crowd. So I grabbed the back of my head, ducked and went forward. And he had turned that cane to where the duck head was facing at my head. and it Brought it up like the swinging ax and was coming down at my head. And his daughter jumped in and caught it. Ooh. And uh, then I guess in the last year, and, and I've run this one. I really, you know, I'm all, I'm all for guns, have guns, everything else. Just think that they shouldn't be at events where you're paying me to make people mad. Yeah. Um, this, you know, younger, late teens to early twenties girl was giving me a hard time. So I stuck my head out, and, uh, popped my mouth off at her. 
And then this, you know, big guy that I assumed to be her father went and stand up. So I get in the mouth and went down. And then like, I look at his side and the guy's got a gun. He's got a pistol. Oh, and I'm like, I went, is that a gun? Like, I just stopped it. Frozen. I said, is that a gun? And he's like, yeah, it's a gun. And so like the guy was, I had totally forgotten about the match by now. I'm just locked in on this guy. So the guy that I'm wrestling with, he walks up and like, I've, I've lost it. I totally broke character and everything. He walks up and he slaps me in the rear end and everything. And I turned around and I went, I went, knock it off. John, this guy's got a gun, you know, I'm like pointing. And, <clears throat> and then, And then two years ago, having a guy pull a knife on me, which was, I mean, I guess, you know, you're doing a good job and people get that involved. I I would say so. Playing the heel and you're getting somebody, (laughs) getting somebody worked up to that point. Yeah. yeah. Definitely doing your job. Yeah. And then the security were like, oh, we're going to throw him out. And I was like, don't throw him out. Like, I mean, you know, help watch my back, but don't throw him out. I mean, if anything, you guys owe me more money and he'll bring some friends and we'll have more fun next time. <laughs> That's a warped way of looking at someone pulling a knife at on you, but I mean. Yeah. No, that is true. <laughs> next one. Favorite food. Oof. Man, you better. I hope you packed a lunch for this one. Um. <laughs> It'd be a combination between sushi and barbecue. Like really, really and truly. That's just a straight up coin toss between the two. If it's really good barbecue, I mm. love it. And then sushi, I could eat, could eat every single meal. Oh, yeah. My, I didn't really get too much into sushi. I've, I had it before I met my wife, but there's this spot that's like, not too far away from our house right now that we'll go over there for happy hour. And I, I definitely have my favorite roles, but uh, yeah, no barbecue. Mm. There's some places. I remember one in particular that I've been to when I was down in Mississippi, because my, most of my first year in the Navy was spent down Florida, Mississippi, Alabama part and we went to this place a couple times, but the, I want to say the shed down by Pascagoula, Mississippi. Sounds like a good barbecue restaurant. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, I remember first time I went up there and it was not too far away from the water, but there was this group of trees right behind it. And I swear I was thinking a gator was going to be coming out from the trees. I know Mississippi but, was a good chance. <laughs> but you you see a lot of barbecue places they'll talk about fall off the bone ribs. You know, you you know, you pick up the bone, the meal just fall off. That place was the only barbecue place I've ever been to where it literally did that. Oh wow. Where I literally had to eat the ribs with a knife and fork because you know you pick up the bone and the meat just plopped off that's awesome oh man i loved it next question favorite movie um 
It's a toss-up. Because, I mean, it's a toss-up between either Gladiator, um, any of the Star Wars movies mm-hmm. of the saga except for Episode One, and any of the Rockies except for Rocky Five. All, all classics, but can't argue with you there. I know uh, what was I was big fan of the Star Wars movies. I didn't hate episode one as much as some people do, but you know, it's whatever. Purpose. <laughs> yeah, and with the whole saga going from the the original three to the prequels to the ones after Disney took over mm-hmm. me I just enjoyed watching how the the story unfolded and how it met up with the original three yeah yeah I, I mean I thought it was cool um, like you know I liked all of those the original six are you know I'm my favorite though but I didn't hate the the next ones um, of the newer ones I think uh, Episode three, where you get to see Vader, you know, mm. become Vader was my favorite. Um, oh yeah, that that was a good one. Um, hey. yeah, go ahead. Oh, and I was just gonna say also, uh, with uh, Rogue One, I thought that was a mm. decent tie-in. How it went from how uh, between Episode three. And the first Star Wars movie, how it kind of bridged the story mm-hmm. in between those two, I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm enjoying the spinoff shows and everything that Disney mm-hmm. like. I liked, uh, I I really liked Boba Fett, where I heard you know some of the people did our bounty hunter or whatever it was they called Book yeah. of Fett, I think. Yeah, um, I liked the Mandalorian was awesome. I oh that yeah, it was great. I wish they would do more. Um, like Knights of the Old Republic kind of stuff. Mm, that, that would, would be, be interesting. Cool that would definitely be interesting. Last but not least for the random question round, one the only other one I like to use every time, but I like to use it at the end. Best advice for anybody wanting to get into wrestling? Um, the biggest thing is to find find a good trainer not just a uh, and I'm hesitant to say somebody that's got a that's got a big resume like that's been into the bigger promotions not because they couldn't and everything but I mean you can find some people that are really talented that just maybe didn't make it to that point yeah um, but to find a trainer that really knows what's going on that that can teach you the basics and everything and then to seek out to seek out more people later that can you know um kind of do the polishing yeah like that was that was one of the things i i felt really fortunate with the the first trainer i had he was always right on the cusp of um of getting into some of the bigger shows and i mean super talented he would just, he had an injury bug that it seemed like right there whenever he was knocking on the door, an injury would bite him and it, it yeah. seemed to come around those times. But then I was, uh, I was, you know, really fortunate to have guys around that had been in the, 
the bigger shows and had been there for a long time with the large promotions. And I got to have them whenever I had that good foundation there to, to polish the rough edges and to really show that. So, I mean, um, that would be the, the first thing to get a good reputable trainer, someone that's not yeah. just, cause there's a lot of people out there just out to take your money. Yeah. Um, and then even though you'll find that for the most part, a lot of the promotions, um, independent promotions are going to be the same for the most yeah. part for people to get out and get their name built more, you know, than just their home area. Mm. So where they, you know, Perception's reality. If people are yeah. seen in more areas and they're they're perceived to be in more in demand, yeah. you get to see different crowds. What something that works in Georgia may not work in Nebraska, that may not work in Texas or yeah. or wherever else, you know. And I mean, um, that kind of thing. Invest in good gear. Mm. Um, because you could be the most talented person in the world, but if you know, you come out and you your gear doesn't look right or whatever else. A lot of people are going to write them off right then and there. And then to treat them, don't look at themselves just as a, uh, and this is the thing where a lot of the people coming in are, are really good at now. Don't just look at themselves as they want to get into wrestling, market themselves as a brand and to always be conscious of how you're presenting, how you're presenting your brand what you're putting onto your social media, how you're conducting yourself. You don't want yeah. to turn, you know, a, one part of your audience against you or, you know what I mean? To try to be um, favorable to a lot of different crowds. Oh yeah. No, definitely got to, you know, like you said, the more people get their eyes on you and you get more well-rounded, the more places you travel to, because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Something that might work one area might not work in another, but then you get that experience. You get that well-roundedness that, you know, who knows, maybe one of those times you're in one of those areas and you get that well-roundedness, somebody, a scout from a big promotion might get their eyes on you and like, hmm, he seems like a well-rounded wrestler. We want to you know, bring him in for a tryout or offer him a contract mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. Well, that is about all I have for tonight. I want to first take the time to thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And oh, thank where, you for can people, where can people find you social media wise, you know, to get their eyes on you if they don't already have them there? Um. Everything is, you know, Instagram is at Alexander Koloff. It's spelled um, A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R, you know, and obviously Koloff. Um, At Alexander Koloff on Instagram, at Alexander Koloff on Twitter, um, Alexander Koloff on Facebook. That would be the three main areas to find me. Definitely, and we'll be providing those in the description. Like you said, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And, you know, best of luck in future shows and everything. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. I want to thank the sponsor today, Reaper Apparel. One, two, 
encourage everybody to break out of the comfort zone, live their best self, which I very much support. They got great apparel, hats, shirts, beanies, hoodies, all that good shit. Be sure when you go on to reaperapparel.com, use the code DRINKIN for 10% off your order. Let's fucking go.